what up everybody welcome back to the alternative blacks podcast i am your host tyler and as always joined by my co-host chris Chris. yes (laughs) and today we have a special guest uh if you've been paying attention to our instagram live series you probably caught this episode but we have hops and charlie uh she got into the craft beer scene through your father and bartending correctly yeah correct correctly correctly (laughs) we're off to a great start yes Uh, it's a wonderful sound that's exactly how i I got my start it's just uh being behind the bar seeing uh beer reps come in and with especially with the local orlando beer which is just so good um and then just having a really fun hobby with my dad so Oh, that's amazing. Uh, So today we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, your experience in the craft beer scene, uh, a little bit about your social media channel, and just about kind of your mission with craft beer, because I believe we saw somewhere that you, uh, let's see, what is that? What is your goal with craft beer? How about we ask that? Creating a space for women and people of color to feel comfortable in breweries? Yeah, yeah, that's probably a, a big part of it for sure. Um, my also like one of my biggest goals for craft beer is, uh, just to, to have fun with it. It's fun. Like it's obviously, um, it's, a, it's an amazing job for a lot of people. A lot of people are lucky to call it their career. Um, part of my career did have something to do with it. So that was, that was great. Um, but just a way for me to have something outside of what I do every day. Um, and to have that community outside of that as well. So, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, we're going to get into all of that later into the episode. Uh, but first and foremost, what are you drinking? I actually just got a box from Crowns and Hops, and I'm so excited. Um, mm. I was obsessed over their new can for International Women's Day. And they saw me just like fangirling in the comments like, oh my god, this is stunning. <laughs> um, and they also came out with like the sweatshirt line and the leggings line with it too. Um, and so I was like, well, looks like my bank account is just screwed. <laughs> like it's just it's done. Uh, and so Teo and Benny reached out to me. They're so great. Um, I got to do a uh, quick live with them at the beginning of oh gosh, a year ago at the beginning of quarantine. <laughs> and so I got to talk to them a little bit. So you know, Teo was like, shoot us your address, and I was like, stop. <laughs> so they over. They sent over a couple of beers, so I'm drinking the HBTU IPA, Double Dry Hop Hazy IPA. Nice. Um, and I just, this can is just killing me. But all of the can art they sent is amazing. Um, and this one says it's brewed with Stitcher, El Dorado, Motuka, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Idaho 7, which I love Stitcher and El Dorado, uh, El Dorado, so I'm sure I'll probably enjoy this. And then it's got pineapple, melon, and guava, so I'm like, yeah, right up my alley. <laughs> Can't go so, wrong with that. What's not to yeah, love? So I'm really excited. Um, and I guess it says that it was based off of the HBCUs that they went to. So, Bellman and Howard. So, that's wow. awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. It's, way, it's, it's great to see the culture like that in craft beer, you know, on a yeah. can, on a label that's actually being produced by Black people. So, that's really awesome. Yeah. And I think it did say that this was in, like, their label – let me see. Because I was just reading it really quickly. I can't remember if it said that it was like labeled in collaboration with somebody who also goes to an HBCU. Mm, um, okay. That, that would be really cool. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that blows ours out of the water. 
Well, you, mine at least. I was gonna say, what are you drinking, Chris? I'm drinking a German style, just called German style Pilsner from Desperate Times. It's his, uh, it's in Carlisle, PA, I believe. Um, so it's not too far from me. It's, it's kind of like in the center of the state or south center of the state of PA. So I really like all of their stuff so far. They do a lot of German beers. Um, I think like the brewers are German or like they they go to Germany every so often and like are inspired and they have all these different German style beers. Uh, so I have this one is a Pilsner and Pilsner is one of my favorites. Um, it's 5.2 ABV. Let's see if it has any other, uh, any other info on it. I don't think so. Yeah. Pretty, just pretty straight up. And it's, it's really crisp and delicious. Just like any good Pilsner is. I love crispy. Yeah, this is like perfect for like the beach is what I think when I drink this. I feel like I'm on a beach with like the beach chair and the waves crashing. Yeah, I'm sold on that beer right there. Just the, the beach <laughs> like, beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, clearly I'm not inspired. Uh, I am drinking, it's prolific by two locals, and it's actually a Philly's Black, Black-owned brewery. Um, so I got a chance to run over. They were doing a release of this and pick up their prolific, and then I also have their Nubian. Uh, but the prolific is a hazy IPA. Brewed this beer with a prolific amount of oats and wheat, whirlpooled with a prolific amount of Simcoe, and then double dry hopped with Simcoe and Mosaic. This beer has big notes of mango, nectar, guava, and pineapple. Oh, twenty! <laughs> <laughs> wow, pineapple and guava seems like it's a pretty, uh, pretty prolific, huh? Pretty prolific. Wait, that was the name of the beer, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, cool. What do you think of it, Tyler? Oh, it's great. Um, I think I sent you the text when I originally tried it because I couldn't wait to just have it on the show. Um, I wish there was a little bit more of that like mango and guava like feeling to it. I wish those notes came out better. But other than that, I think they did exactly what they set out to do. It's nice and hazy, you know, has that kind of cloudiness to it. So we don't have to yell at them about that but <laughs> the, the flavors are good I, I really enjoy this beer this is something that uh it took a lot of energy not to go back to the fridge and drink the rest of it before the show like holding yourself back in your room just like i can't <laughs> lock me away definitely thankfully yeah. the same day i got a taver box and uh i had other beers to explore oh love that i like taver or Tavor, however, however, I don't know. No idea. No Absolutely clue. no, no clue. Idea. No idea. But I've this, never, I don't think I've ever had a, a beer come in a Tavor box that I was like, eh, I'm not about this. Like, they've all been. You know what, good. though? I Okay. I've only had two boxes, but the one, the one IPA that they were pushing was supposed to be this award-winning IPA. It was supposed to be so amazing and and everything and i was like really sold on it and i had i'm like i mean it's good but it's not like i could i could have gotten this ipa anywhere else you know like the like the taste it didn't really didn't really do it for me so i've i've been disappointed i guess disappointed in the sense that i've had my expectations set too high well because yeah. they really they they really be pushing the beers in their descriptions it's like you just want to buy it all their content yeah. writers are insane <laughs> 
yeah, there was there was one time that I we saw something that a content writer uh, wrote about a barrel age or was it a non barrel age? I can't remember, but they compared it to like one of my friends who does do like mostly barrel age stouts, and they're also like award winning and stuff like that. Oh, nice. And I remember they got called out for it, and both breweries were like, "This was not like approved by us. This is not how we wanted to push our product. Nothing." And Tavor was like, "We have taken the proper steps to make sure this never happens again." Oh, wow. And I was like, Damn. <laughs> like I, it was just kind of came out of nowhere where the person was like trashing one brand and and praising the other, and the one brand that was being praised was just like, "Those are our friends." Like those are the people we know them. Like we know we would never want to do that. Like it was so crazy, but yeah. Wow, I can't. I mean, I can believe it, but I but I can't believe it at the same time. But it's right. it's interesting how uh, how most breweries seem to be on the more collaborative side rather than you know the competition side of things yeah. of how to run a business. Uh, yeah, I do like that about craft beer. Yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it that community again it always goes back to that community it's just that community of people knows that you know, take care of each other and they'll take care of you so yeah that's good so this is the point of the show where we usually play our sample game so what we're going to do is we're going to play a part of a song we'll play the sample that is used in the song and you have to guess what song it is <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at naming songs, but I'm Thanks. so good at listening to a song and going, that's a sample. I like I, all the time. That is, I'm like, you can ask my mom, my sisters, my boyfriend, whoever. I will be in the car and I'll hear something and I'll be like, hey, that's a sample from a really old song. And then I'll sit there for like 45 minutes trying to find this song and I'll just never find it because I'm so bad at naming artists. So you'd be good going the opposite direction. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm bad both ways, so. (laughs) But I'm down to give it a shot. I'm down. Well, let's give it a shot. I will begin, I guess. Yeah. Should I begin with mine? Chris go first, yeah. Okay. This is uh, Jackie Moore, Precious, Precious, from uh, 1971. And hopefully you guys can hear it. Let me know if you can't. I'm just going to put my phone up to the headset here. Are we trying to guess like what sample she used or is she being sampled in something else? She's being sampled in something else. So you have to guess yeah. the song that <laughs> used that sample. Okay. Could you play it one more time? One more time. Cause I was trying oh, to sure. go. The other- <laughs> sure. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I have no clue. So Not even a... it's the very beginning there, and the horns that you hear, the blaring horns, is kind of uh, what what you get out of the song that samples this one. Do you want to hear it one more time, or do you want to guess for the song? I, don't know that... I, guess, but I feel like it's definitely a pop song. Am I at least on the on the correct a like track? Song? Is it a pop song? 
I wouldn't say it's a pop song. No? No. Well, actually, no, the beginning no. star sounds like a country song to me, and I do love country, so I do listen to hey. it. But that, that beginning, like, just riff right there, I'm like, that sounds like like a really popular country song, right? Or not popular, an older country song, but anyways okay one more time <laughs> okay one more time it's not a country song um i don't listen to country so i have no knowledge of country songs so if you, if it's me giving the sample then it's probably not a country song because i don't know okay country from the back <laughs> of my my hand or whatever the phrase is i don't know okay one more time <laughs> Am I going to be mad when you tell us who this is? You will be. You will be furious. Oh no, Jay Z. No, no, it's not a Jay Z song. Okay, is it like an R and B or like? Can you give it's us a, a hint? It's a it's a rap song. It's a rap song. Okay. From the mid two thousands, mid early two thousands. That's. I might know it when you say it, but. I never got to listen to rap music when I was when I was a kid, so I can't. I'm like I'm I'm so bad at participating. No, like were you not allowed to, or you just did it? Oh no, that's not it. It, it was just my parents kind of. Um, well, I was just raised on like other music, and then mm-hmm. um, my like my mom didn't really listen to rap. My dad didn't really listen to rap. Um, I was never really around friends at the time that did. So um, even in school, like I can't remember. I remember like hearing songs in school my parents didn't try and like block me from it or anything we just never listened to it so even like last night my dad got his really nice amps and speakers working and everything and i mean we were listening to like kansas and Led Zeppelin, oh, nice. and i'm like oh i remember all of these songs um as a kid rusted root like just random stuff Oh, I love um, Rusted Root. I even called my parents out. I'm like, this is the reason why I didn't know who TLC was until I was like 16 years old. Like you. <laughs> so, you know, so might not be great at, <laughs> at I mean, I, I can appreciate that because I had to find like hip hop and R&B myself growing up, sort yeah. of. So I, I was late to the party on a lot of things. <laughs> growing up that everyone else knew about and i was just like eh, i don't know like my mom listens to Cher and elton john and george michael yes. <laughs> billy so, joel yeah yes. and then i got into billy joel so i'm good with billy joel a little bit Thanks, but it's good music it is it's good music but right. i do wish i would have gotten to to learn more about like r&b and rap and and old school hip-hop and all of that stuff because i I didn't get a chance to really educate myself on that and then uh just growing up in the studio i didn't really listen to so much music outside of the studio because we were just always there so it was just one of those things so now like the same thing i'm an adult now trying to educate myself (laughs) on that, and everybody already knows it when it comes on in the club and i'm just like This is nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is this song? What is this song? Me and Tyler are going to cry. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Then uh, Breathe Out by Kanye West featuring Ludacris. And here we go. 
Wait, play the sample again. Holy shit. Oh, play the sample again? Okay. Yeah, that's insane. That was great. And that's one of my favorite songs off that album. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Kanye is a genius when it comes to actually using a sample. Um, He's always the easy way to go if I need a quick sample for this because every song is like some ridiculously obscure sample from like the 70s or the 80s or the 60s. Honestly, interesting. I mean, wow. even though like his newer stuff, like he, he used newer samples on his newer albums and stuff, and yeah. it was still fantastic. But. All the time. Yeah. All right. So I got one for you as well. <laughs> when, okay. This is not over yet. <laughs> Here so we go. Worry. This might be a little easier, Chris. I switched up the sample I was originally going to use. So, haha. <laughs> and, okay. Not hearing nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Mm -mm. Oh, no. We're blanking out. Well, maybe, maybe we won't have a sample because it's playing through my ears. Oh, you know what? I got an idea. I got an idea. Here we go. Now, did you hear it? Yes. Yeah, but what? It's kind of... I can I know, or do you want to hear it again and give Chris another chance? <sighs> yeah, yeah, run that, run, play that again. Okay, I got you, Chris. Unless I'm completely wrong, and you guys are thinking of a different, but I know another sample that uses that song. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 I think I actually, wait, hold on, hold on. Do you know that song, though? Do you know where that's from? Yeah. Wait, the song that was just playing or the song that... Yeah, the song that was just playing. I don't. I don't think Fiddle I do. Fiddle Tells the Truth! That's, yep. one of, like, that's one of the most famous musicals ever. Fiddler yep. on the Roof. Yeah, if I was a rich man from Fiddler on the Roof. Roof. <laughs> Well, you should you should know that uh, I don't I don't really watch or listen to musicals. Mm -mm. See, exactly. <laughs> I do. I do. All I listened to was musicals growing up. Like, Wait, so nerd. is it is it freaking uh who is that? Is that Gwen Stefani? Yes, it's the rich girl Gwen Stefani. <laughs> yes, that that is one. So that's the thing. So many people use the sample. Um, so that is definitely one one of the people that use the sample. Here's here's another person that uh, uses the sample though. Enjoy the show. Of course, this is gonna take forever. Got to throw a little Flo Millie in there for you guys. <laughs> I have been obsessed with her to work out too. She like yeah. gets me pumped like nobody's business. Her and Rico Nasty. Yeah, but that was uh. So yeah, Rich Girl, the Gwen Stefani featuring Eve song, and then also this was Roaring Twenties by Flo Millie. Ooh, nice. Okay. Yeah, there's some people whose like samples just blow up and like everybody uses the sample and then you just kind of get shocked with how how often it's used in music 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I, got, I got one for two. There you Bring go. Right. <laughs> there you go. I was. I was, well, I guess I was one for two. <laughs> All right. So I guess we could finally get into the, the meat and potatoes yeah. of this episode, right? <laughs> we, we, we did a little intro, uh, introduction. We played the sample game. You got to see what everybody is drinking. And so now we got a couple questions for you. And actually, why don't we just run down through the list that we ask everybody? We ask everybody these questions um, when, when they come onto the show. So what do you identify as? Um, like gender identity or race identity? Ooh, I, I guess both. Both, yes. Um, she, her, uh, cisgender, heterosexual female. Um, and then I identify, it's, it's weird. I don't think I've ever really considered how I identify. I don't think I ever really thought about it. I know that there's obviously uh, societal viewpoints of, of me where, you know, in society, I'm a black woman. Like, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, very proud of that. I love that. Um, and then, but I myself has grown up in a multiracial household. Uh, so it's, and I'm sure you guys probably have had the same kind of uh, realization and had the same kind of thoughts. And um, I don't know if I've quite figured that out yet. Um, I know that I have never really introduced myself as a, as a white woman, um, even though, you know, my dad's white. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of those ones I think I'm still trying to figure out like what, how I would say that I've always bubbled other, <laughs> uh, two or more. <laughs> so, you know, on my test. I think me and my best friend was talking. We're talking about it because uh, both of my actual like best friends are also multiracial women. Um, their mom, well, one of them, their mom is black and their dad is white. The other one, their mom is white and their dad is black. And uh, they all have siblings as well. And they are the same way where they're like, you know, in society, I'm a black woman. Um, so we have we have talked about it before, but we've been like, you know, when we were kids, we were two black for the white kids, two white for the black kids. And it kind of like became uh, a thing of like trying to find new people. So I don't, I don't know, but I would say that I have made amazing connections more as an adult. Um, I think I've gotten more exposed to uh, other black people as an adult, I think. And I don't know if that's just because of like, geographically where I'm from or like the neighborhood I grew up in I don't really know um but I do know that it's, it's been great and then obviously becoming more active in the black community and learning more about icons in the black community and influencers in the black community and people who who uh are paving a way for other people I've got to learn more about that as an adult not because I was sheltered from it as a kid but I just wasn't aware I guess no one was you weren't taught that in school <laughs> um, so right. it's definitely that that question i feel like is maybe more of a loaded question than i would think it is um but i think definitely. it's something that i am still figuring out um but in the realm of social media and the realm of when people ask me like yeah i'm a multiracial but i'm i'm a black woman so. yeah and, and the reason <laughs> 
<laughs> the reason we asked that question is, but that's basically the the point of the whole show is uh, what what does it mean for us because we're both biracial and like coming to terms with like our blackness or not or I our identity has been uh it's a constant growing thing I think for anybody that is multiracial um and so that's why we asked that question it's it, it's very interesting and we just hope that for people who are listening to the show who might happen to be multiracial, biracial, um, that they feel connected with everybody, I think is the real hope for that. Because that, that was big for me. I remember my parents giving me a book when I was growing up in like middle school and really coming to terms with like my um, identity in terms of my blackness and my whiteness and like reading a bunch of different stories about multiracial people than uh, Obama got elected president at that time as well. So it, I started feeling more comfortable in my skin, but it's still a question that I think uh, we like to ask people who happen to be alternative Blacks. <laughs> I love that. I, okay, so the first time you guys messaged me, I was like, alternative Black. I wonder what that means. Because I was like, yeah, there's a lot of different shades of Black. And I wasn't even thinking about skin tone. Um, <laughs> I was just like, there's so many different shades of Black. And then I was like, oh, like, oh i get it now um that's great uh and but then i like to think we think multiracial and a lot of our minds go directly to black and white um mm -hmm. but then there's you know there's my boyfriend he's indian and white um but his skin tone is is closer to mine uh so he he doesn't necessarily identify as indian but he's like you know that's that i look more like a light-skinned indian man than i would a white man I don't look as much like my dad or you know so I've met so many people in my life that are multiracial and, and all different different kinds of ways um I think so often as a multiracial child and I don't know if you guys got this too you more than likely did because everybody who has <laughs> spoken to about this has gotten this before but just the oh your skin is so beautiful and oh, my daughter had kids with a black guy. Oh, I, you know, and it's just like, I know you're trying to find a way to relate yeah. to me or anything. And it, I, it, it's like, I understand, but I don't need to know your family for you to feel like you find a way to connect with me. And then even just the whole, um, like, oh, your, your skin is so beautiful, but I don't know if I could ever, Black guy. I don't know if I could ever marry uh, a Hispanic man or whatever. And it's just like, I think it comes. Why are you this to me? <laughs> yeah, I think it comes back to like, like you said, people are trying to connect to mm -hmm. or relate. And I think if you're if you're unaware or you're uneducated about, you know, what is it, what does it mean to be black? What does it mean to be, you know? Hispanic what does it mean to be these things really it comes down to just certain facial features or skin tones that are more prevalent in this person than in this person and literally nothing else it has nothing to do with uh, your temperament or any of those things those are all about the environment you grew up in and I think a lot of times people you know especially because of the way black history is in America people are pushed into particular uh, circumstances. And then because they're black now, they are attached with those circumstances. And then so there's people out there that are uneducated and they're like, oh, you're black, so you must 
like rap music and you must like all these different things and it's like or you could just be you know someone who grew up in your own circumstances that aren't much different than your the person you're talking to you know yeah. i think i think we have to try to push past that idea that you know race is this one put you in a box type of thing you know it's it certainly isn't in you know obviously and, yeah go ahead Tyler no no and that, that's a really good point that you bring up because that's the other part of like alternative blacks plays on a lot of things and that's why we love the name was because it plays on you know our racial identity but it also plays on the the interest you know being interested in craft beer was like looked at like oh you know that, that's a white thing to be like interested in because it is a white dominated space uh, but yeah. it was like I grew up listening to like Lincoln Park as well and like love Lincoln Park, but it was definitely like, oh, that's your white side, Tyler. And uh, coming to terms with like, oh, what, what are these interests that we have that aren't considered black and makes you kind of that alternative black? So like when we bring people on the show, it's not always about, um, oh, you're multiracial or you're biracial, but it's like, oh, you're really invested in something that is seen as outside of Blackness and talking about Blackness what is whoever that person happens to be. Are you Black and you're into something? That's a Black thing to be interested right. in because you yeah. are Black. I think that was, if I can like piggyback off you for a second and I can uh, mention something about that, but I think that was one of the most heartbreaking things with being a dancer um, growing up. Uh, it's just, how often ballet was not seen as uh, a black thing to do and it was it, it's so heartbreaking um because when I, I actually worked for Orlando Ballet for a little while as a outreach teacher and it was amazing because um I don't know if I talked about this before on the show or when we did the live but my uh major in college is uh, dance education and public affairs with a focus in nonprofit work um so <clears throat> I worked for Atlanta Ballet as a nonprofit, basically out, outreach teacher. We used to go to boys and girls clubs, community centers, stuff like that. We would provide the types of leotard, the shoes for the kids, all that stuff. And I would provide free dance classes for them, as well as other teachers that were free that week. Programs, the woman who ran it was a black woman. Her name is Charmaine Hunter. She's amazing. She's been a, a ballerina her whole life. She danced for amazing companies. And then she came back and danced for Orlando Ballet. Um, and just how often children are told you'll never be a principal you'll never be a soloist you'll never be anything like that because you're not delicate enough or you're not mm. uh, you're not soft facing black people have more muscles black people have more muscle tone in ballet so um you'll just never be and then even you know going back further than that my mom has been a classically trained dancer her entire life well uh she's who got us into it and um, I remember like the realization just kind of smacking me in the face. And I think I was probably like 11 or 12 at this point. Um, but she had constantly been invited to judge at competitions and teach conventions. And it was always that she taught Afro-Caribbean, which is her roots. That's where she comes from. That's what we do. Uh, but my mom is ABC certified as a ballet teacher, American Ballet Theater certified. Um, she's won international awards as a tap dancer. She's done all of these things uh just to brag on her for a second because she's incredible she creates go for it dancers out of jacksonville the some of the top dancers you see in music videos and 
commercial work that goes on my mom's students. And so it's, it's insane to see those people and how they've progressed. My sister now, too, is a double major dance and uh, biomedical science student. Like she is, you know, so. Wow. Um, but just to brag on them for a minute. But Yeah, brag away. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> I remember, like, looking at my mom and just seeing how crushed she was for a second that she had never been asked to come and teach the ballet class. And it was just simply that stereotype, just that idea of, of black women don't do ballet. They teach hip hop, they teach modern, they teach because of Alvin Ailey, you know, and Alvin Ailey was an amazing first black modern uh, company in the States, I think, other than Catherine Dunham's company. But so, uh, yeah, I remember just that realization as a kid and being like, well, like what? She does all the French technique. She says it like properly. She teaches kids better ballet technique than I've ever known. And uh, so I think going back to that, uh, things that black people weren't necessarily allowed to enjoy or allowed to be a part of, there's that whole thing that like black boys would dominate gymnastics if they were given the opportunity to dominate gymnastics. <laughs> you know, like uh, stuff like that. And uh, so... Yeah, I hope that there is definitely a shift happening, and I can see that there's a shift happening with more uh, multiracial, Black, Asian, Hispanic lead soloist companies coming out of the works for that specific field. Same thing with theater. You know, theater is starting to progress, but still has its own issues <laughs> with theater. And uh, my best friend is an amazing actress, and so that's what she does. And there are still things that we have conversations about, about casting calls where they're like, oh, don't show up with braids, don't show up with this. And it's like, if you cannot hire a stylist that can work with black hair, then that's not a stylist that can do their job. The, like, the right. end. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's not even necessarily that things aren't seen as black. It's things that aren't allowed to be black. So it's, it's very frustrating. And, <laughs> that and, that's, and that's where it is. It's what, what isn't allowed to be black. Uh, and why has that been the case? Um, we're we're huge tennis fans, uh, tennis players, and uh, one of the most interesting cases, or two of the most interesting cases, is watching like uh, we love Gail Monfils uh, because he's just this very animated, very like athletic. Like I always compare him like he is the NBA player in the tennis world yeah. just because of his okay. athleticism. Uh, Cause he'll, yeah. he'll jump up, do like a 360, like overhead smash. And just to end, yeah. end the match, like, okay. <laughs> right. But like listening to the commentators and the announcers speak about him, it was just like, yeah. Oh, you know, he's wasting so much talent and like all this other stuff. And it's also uh Nick Carrie, uh, Carrios, Carrios. Yeah. Kyrgios. He, he uh, is very animated. He's very emotional. And I know like when John McEnroe was doing it, you know, he was, coined the bad boy of tennis but it was still like almost an endearing thing and a lot of people look at nick passionate and, you know right yeah. and, and, they look at nick and they're like this isn't for the tennis world and it's because he's 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 i think he's biracial yeah he is yeah yeah so it's yeah, yeah it's um it's very interesting <laughs> to see how people are even treated or looked at in in these spaces and it becomes oh you're not allowed to be yourself in these areas because mm -hmm. there's this like white gaze almost you know like what, what what's going on over here but i'm yeah. glad you brought up ballet because that that went into our uh next question actually uh well 
the next question would have been, has your blackness ever been questioned? But I think we've talked about that a little bit before, but it was, when was the first time you saw yourself represented in your field? Was the question. Oh, oh gosh. Well, you know, Misty Copeland, uh, she is um, stunning ballerina. We actually got to meet her. She is so incredibly sweet. She's a kind woman. Uh, it was funny because my mom, my little sister and her have a picture next to each other when she came out with her book, um, and I'm trying to remember what the name of her book off uh, is, but I can't think about it off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> and my sister, for some reason, just her facial features and everything just looks so much like Misty. So people were like, are we sure this is like Misty? <laughs> but, um, no, but she is, she's an incredibly kind and such a beautiful ballerina. And she came from such, such an adverse childhood and got her started at a boys and girls club. Uh, as a dancer and stuff so that was pretty cool um but when did I see myself in my field well I think I got lucky growing up in Jacksonville and being in the dance community that I'm in um because there were quite a few uh black owned studios in Jacksonville and they were kind of I don't want to say dominating but they were pretty much dominating the talent coming out of Jacksonville so um you know, the people who I know that I went to high school with, um, I didn't, I didn't dance at a black home studio. Uh, I did every once in a while, like I did work for them or I would uh, come to classes and stuff. Um, but primarily I went to a different studio, but seeing the people that came out of it that were in my grade level and before me, um, that are still performing professionally and still dancing and working professionally and stuff. Um, so yeah, but I feel like it, on the on the big grand scheme of things, I would have to say Missy was one of the first people. And then going back and looking at history and finding people, because obviously these are people who I didn't I I didn't know about right away. Um, but I mentioned Catherine Dunham a couple of minutes ago, but she is out of Chicago, a uh, beautiful dancer. She had her own uh, company for a long time. And she focused in Afro-Caribbean and ballet. And she had a very like distinct style of ballet and Afro-Caribbean movement and stuff. Um, but she would travel all around the world. And I mean, she was one of those people. She would perform in clubs. She wasn't allowed to perform in. She was one of the people Marilyn Monroe said, I will not come into your club until you let her sit next to me. Like that was, uh, that was Catherine Dunham. So she was a forerunner in, in Black dance history. Uh, so yeah. No, we this still is, learn <laughs> this is yeah. incredible I, I absolutely love it uh i always equate things back to tennis because it's one of those things that i i know very well and uh it mm-hmm. sounds very much like you know the earth or ash of like the type of day where you really break barriers you create spaces you force change yeah. uh the modern tennis world that we see today wouldn't have been the way uh like serena wouldn't be getting paid the way serena gets paid if it wasn't for people like arthur ash right so, right yeah so that that that's incredible always get excited yeah. about bringing people onto the show because it's like oh we're going to talk about beer but we know that beer uh just opens up the door to so many other conversations yeah. and that was an incredible piece of history that i just got to learn so thank you yeah, for sharing definitely that. absolutely if you like get a second or if i remember i'll definitely like send you guys the link but watching her production because she was a director producer writer all of it for mm-hmm. her dance films she was probably the first people that did dance films other than like gene kelly and you know all of them but 
uh, yeah, her stuff was incredible. It's on YouTube. You can find dance classes. It's it's amazing. That's what I said. Send send a yeah. link and we'll put it in the show notes so anybody that's listening right now can go and take a look because I'm sure yeah, it's definitely. incredible. Yeah, I'll try and find one after if it's all right, so we're we're gonna power through the rest of these because there's only one more. <laughs> power through one more. Such, All right. such a power uh, power, power moves. Exactly. Ooh. Uh, when was the first time you saw yourself represented in media? Another loaded question. Oh, media, like social media on TV, like movies. Um, I I, I think. I made the comment last night where I was like, I didn't even know that black people could be in commercials until I was older. Cause I just never, you just never saw black people in commercials. It didn't matter what commercial it was. It just yeah. wasn't, you just never, you never saw black people in commercials. So I just didn't even know that it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, black girl should not just be in a commercial uh, until like the all state man. Um, <laughs> You know, his voice was just so like sought after. Um, yeah, just love that voice. That is, that's hilarious. <laughs> of course, there were biracial women in movies. There was Halle Berry. There was, you know, the, you know, stuff like that. But I, I still don't really know. I'm a huge Disney fanatic, mm-hmm. so I mean, Princess and the Frog is one of my absolute favorite movies. I dedicated my twenty, my entire twenty first birthday to going to New Orleans so that I could have a Princess and the Frog birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I did, um, and I loved it. Are you, are you sure you should be uh, divulging that information <laughs> to the masses? I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Any, anybody, anybody wants to know so that I could eat everything I wanted to eat and have a great time. I went on a, uh, a gator boat and I was like, I mean, this is literally like being in Florida. Nope, <laughs> this is you, my I could not do it. I, I am absolutely terrified of gators. And yeah, when um, my, my is about to come out because gators don't do nothing to you. They don't, they don't do nothing unless you mess with them. <laughs> they're, they're fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, almost I, forgot, I almost forgot we were talking for, to someone from Florida because right. we're talking about gators like they're, you know, like a, a stray cat. Right, right. It's just like, <laughs> oh, there, there's a gator outside. Right, exactly. I think my dad, we used to have a little kiddie pool in the backyard for my dogs in the summer for them to, to oh, no. splash and, and stuff. And one time my dad came home and put this little baby gator in the kiddie pool. And it was just having a grand old time slushing around. And he's just like, my dad is like, whatever animal he finds on the side of the road. He's like, no, I'm going to keep it. It's, gonna, it's my pet now. Um, <laughs> so he has this baby gator and he's like, hey guys, come look at this baby gator. And of course, this isn't the first time I've seen a baby gator. So we walk out, you know, we're petting it, we're holding it, whatever. And he's like, I'm going to keep it. And I'm like, till when? Right, right. <laughs> right. Till when? And he's like, you know, till it gets a little bit bigger. And I'm like, and then what? And then where's it going to go? Because and how are you going to remove it? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, we have we have three cats. We got two dogs. What do you think this baby game is going to go You had three cats. <laughs> yeah, you had three cats. Exactly. No, I mean, there's been, I have so many stories about gators in our in our backyard. Or, cause we live right on the St. John's River. And uh, so definitely it's, it's there. When no I tell shit. you, I have nightmares about <laughs> alligators. Like I, I will wake up in a sweat from a nightmare about alligators. I 
feel like you just need to like hold a baby one and see that there's not that scary. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I think I could go through life without ever holding a, yeah. a baby. Because I could they hold are... like a baby tiger and a baby lion, and like, yeah. like, oh, that's cute. But like in a in in a couple months, I'm not gonna want to be anywhere near this thing. No, I mean, exactly. I mean, there's, and I think I think it's like misconstrued a little bit misconstrued because it's not like in Jacksonville where we have like, well, I mean, we could, I guess, you could find them, but most of the gators around Jacksonville are like five foot six gators which is a still still a large gator it's a grown woman or a grown man um but I mean even like we I used to have a little she was a Maltese so she was a Maltese beagle mixed she was pretty small and uh we we're just taking a walk along like the the riverbank and stuff and uh she starts barking and I was like what, what are you barking at and I, I turn over and it's just this uh this like probably four and a half foot gator just sunbathing on the bank and i mean it's looking at us i'm looking at it and it's just like hey like, <laughs> <laughs> your dog's interrupting my 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 self-care time <laughs> so you know i picked her up I'm like you're over here bothering this gator it's not doing nothing I, I mean we we walked away that gator didn't even watch us walk away it was it was like nah i'm just i'm having my relaxation it's my sunday fun day right now alligators uh, need so. self-care too <laughs> <laughs> if you get anything out of this episode that that is it self-care too. <laughs> um, but yeah so i mean i'm not saying that for all gators of course they're dangerous don't go up and put your hand in its mouth it won't end well <laughs> but the videos of people like petting them like that's not that's not the part of jacksonville that i'm from hmm. so <laughs> no. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> that, that's a little farther north or south right yeah well what do they say the the further south in florida you get the less southern it is that's like jacksonville and like ocala Julie, all that stuff that is that's some pretty southern stuff once you get to miami it's very cuban so you're not really worried too much about being oh, that i actually that's never crazy. i never heard that 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 was that's cool I i've heard that, that once i've heard that yeah. once. i mean hey yeah. you're closer to like alabama and georgia so of course it's southern close enough <laughs> no this was fun this has been a lot of fun i've been really enjoying where these conversations are going and we haven't even hit the like the more the, serious the meaty stuff meaty yeah. stuff yeah so uh, you previously uh previously mentioned the community of women in craft beer that you found when you began your social media journey um could you elaborate mm-hmm. more on how easy or difficult it was to find that community um, no, I, I, I wouldn't say it was it was difficult. Um, I am uh very blessed. I mean, I met one of my closest friends through um Craftier and Free. Um, I might have mentioned her in our live. Her Instagram handle is the Pinecrest Traveler. I'm actually super happy, and I'm, I'm a bridesmaid in her wedding this year, so nice. uh, it's going to be great. Oh, thank you. And I, I cried when she asked me. And the way that she asked me was by doing an Instagram live and was like, get your craft beer ready. Let's do a live. And I'm like, okay, not, not expecting it. Then she she holds up a sign. that's like, will you be my bridesmaid? And I was like, uh. Look, Chris, when, Chris, when, when you get married, I'm, I'm expecting that level of like ask for, for best band. All right. I might right. shoot you a text. Um, hey, and bud. it was actually, it was funny the way that I met her. So when I started my page, I reached out to a bunch of women that I followed because I think when I when I started following people initially, I followed a lot of women in craft beer. Um, you know, mainly because that's 
one that's who I am. So it's like when you're starting a, a social media page, you want to kind of follow the people who you are not mimicking, but like modeling your your page after. Um, and so I, I reached out to a bunch of them, just DM them. Um, I DM'd like she knows beer. I DM'd the girl with beer. Um, like uh, quite a few people who had already been pretty successful in this. And I was like, hey, like, would you mind giving me some advice? I don't, I know a little bit about craft beer, but I don't know a whole lot. And like, what are some things that you think I should focus on or, or how should I, you know, gauge this and blah, blah, blah. And I got a couple of messages back and people were like, um, it's super sweet for you to reach out to me and I'll definitely give you a follow back. And I think that you are on the right, uh, on the right track with how you're running your, your content and stuff right now, which my content hasn't really changed uh, since I started. Wow, two years ago. Um, and I kinda I like where I am because like I said, this is more of a hobby for me. So I don't really do paid content, I don't really do anything like that. Um but anyway, so I reached out to Bray and then I realized that she literally lived like ten minutes away from me in Orlando. Wow. Yeah. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know actually at the time that Tactical was her fiance's brewery. So I went into Tactical one day just to try it because it was like five minutes away from the house that I was living in at the time in Winter Park. And he came up to me and he's like, Charlie, right? And I was like, hey. And he was like, you've been talking to my girlfriend, Bray, because they, they weren't engaged at the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I've been, we, me and her have been trying to meet up and, and stuff like that. He was like, oh, my God, let's send her a selfie. Let's make her super jealous. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but then right after that, I mean, we hung out literally right after that. I've been inseparable ever since. But um, other than that, I think building a community of women, it's its pretty crazy how much women are willing to go the extra mile in the craft beer community to, to highlight other people's success. And it's, I know that men are doing that too in this community because that's just the community that we live in um, with with this. But I think it's, it's insane. I mean, I am at... I'm, I, I'm at 13.9 K right now. And I didn't even know (laughs) that's where I was. And I started getting like messages of people mentioning me in the story. And they were like, let's get her to 14 K. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) like, and some of those things are like, like, I I don't know. It's, it's very, uh, it's very sweet. It's very kind of people to, to go out of their way to do that. And then I remember, uh, uh, watching, I was a part of this like mini documentary where they were talking about um, women in craft beer and specifically social media influencers for that episode. And um, one of the women that designs labels for a brewery out of Pennsylvania, I think, I can't remember specifically which one, um, but she literally said in the documentary, she was like, I design labels for women who do beer social media. She was like, because I know that they're going to go above and beyond to get our product out there to design a really cool content shoot for that too, to do this, to do that. And I know that women are going to do the damn thing when it comes to promoting our brewery and our work. And, um, and I think that's, uh, that's just the catchphrase for women in general. Women are going to do the damn thing, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so, and then, um, And then I met Benny and then I met other, uh, you know, black influencers in the community. I met a lot more multiracial influencers in the community. So um, I thought that that was so cool. And then seeing like pink boots and I'm not in pink boots, but 
following paint boots and the women that brew and the women that are a part of the paint boots community and get together once a month and do these meetings and do these brews together and blah blah blah. I'm like, y'all are so cool. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like watching them. And we're talking, drinking beer, and I'm like, I want to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, there. It's just like craft beer started with women, brewing beer started with women, and it's coming back women and I think that's just incredible I'm like don't you just love it when girls and then people are like yeah when girls do that it's uh but it's, it's just anything when women yeah, do right like, no, <laughs> <when honestly>. girls... <laughs> and it's just blank like what do you want to fill in this blank like, just love you it know, so. yeah but, uh, no I uh, that's been the, the coolest part about being here and then obviously i can text any of my girlfriends at any time and be like hey we're gonna go we're gonna go to this brewery we're gonna go to this brewery we're gonna and you'll have an entire table of just women sitting there drinking beer with you and it's just like yeah i love this so yeah that's awesome that is, that is that's amazing um because you know i think a lot of times we think a lot about the fact that craft beer is white dominated but a lot of times we don't highlight the fact that it's white male dominated. And then even past that, it's male dominated, even when you take race away from it. So it's fantastic to see, uh, to see that community within the larger community kind of coming together because, you know, we kind of stumbled into the black beer community ourselves when we started the podcast. Um, and we noticed right away the level of, uh, uh, support from within uh, that that the community really gives and uh, to hear that you found that community uh, of women doing the same thing and it's that powerful uh, it's really inspiring and awesome and then I know it's just going to continue to grow that way uh, because that's the type of people that you need to kind of push that movement forward uh, and yeah. especially considering you know like you said women were women were the first brewers. They were the ones who did it. You know what I mean? So it's got to come back around eventually. Um, and we just need to, you know, keep pushing and making, making yeah. that happen. Yeah. I think I, I remember you, you asked me when was the first time that like my, like my black identity had been questioned, but I don't know if I really spoke about being a woman in bartending or being a woman in anything like that. And I remember just like one of my coworkers, uh, looking at me and being like, I have never had customers argue with me the way that people argue with you. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I see men question you constantly about everything you do. How, how is your poor? Are you exactly are you giving me a double? This tastes weak. This isn't correct. This is, you know, and it's just like, dude, I've been, I've been doing this for longer than my nails are. So like, I trained him and you're not questioning who, what he's doing. Um, you know, stuff like that. But even just my, one of my first memories of being a woman in the craft beer community, I went to a, um, my first ever beer fest. It was in St. Petersburg and I got to meet up with Nikki Dreamscraft and she's so sweet. And we're at this bar and it's just a craft beer bar and it was like an after party. So they gave us a listen, come in, you got to drink as much draft beer as you want and stuff like that. And so she used to work for Big Top Brewing in Gainesville and one of their stouts was, is really good 
that was really good. It is really good. So she went up to the bar and she was like, oh, taste the stout that my brewery makes. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, definitely. She goes up to the bar and she goes, can we get two of this? Exactly like that. She wasn't like, oh, can we get, um, can we possibly try? Nothing. She was, can we get two of this? And he goes, um, you know that that's like the stout. And she's like, ew. And he's like, uh, you know that that means that it's like a dark beer. She was like, I don't appreciate the way that you're speaking to me. And if you could please just grab the beer that we ordered, that would be great. And I was like, I've never seen a woman handle herself like that in a bar before. I never had a craft, you know, never had a craft beer bar. But um, just the fact that she was very straightforward and she was like, I don't like being speak- uh, spoken to like that. I know what I'm ordering. There's a reason I ordered it. So if you could just grab it, that'd be great. Didn't, didn't, wasn't disrespectful to him, wasn't weird, nothing. Um, but in that moment, I, I mean, I felt the rage in me where I'm like, I was about to say, it's like, like, she could have been, I was like, to. yeah, would've she would have every, every right to have been disrespectful <laughs> at that point because, but I think that has happened so much. And I was talking about it with a couple of other people earlier this week, and they were like, maybe he was just trying to be helpful. And I'm like, there's a difference between being helpful and being condescending. And I think that, um, so often women are met with with a condescending tone even when i was out two three months ago at a very popular popular brewery in orlando with my friends who do craft beer instagram as well as brew and this guy just so happened to not know that and he was just so nasty just the women and was being trying to be flirtatious and being condescending and blah blah, blah. and i was just like like we know you're we know the owner of this place we know your boss like dude you, if you think that we're not gonna text them and be like hey this is how your bartender spoke to us like and you know and it, it definitely yeah. came with the repercussions for that but um i think that's one thing is i've seen so many more women handle their shit lately and be like yeah yeah don't don't talk to me like that or don't don't act like i don't know what i'm talking about or anything like that so that's been pretty cool and that's given me the confidence to be able to go to somewhere and be like can I order this? And then if they come back at me, I'd be like, yeah, no, I, I know what it is. Like, thank you. I appreciate the help, but I don't necessarily need it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause like one, you kind of answered our next question in terms of, you know, how has the community of women impacted, you know, your journey through craft beer? And you've kind of mentioned how it's kind of started to give you that safe space, the same safe space that you're working to, continue to create right uh would you is there anything else that you think that impact like the community impacted you while you were kind of coming up um whether it was more more than just you know the uh comfort level was it uh you 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 probably already uh were more familiar with craft beer coming into it from working behind the bar um but did you see yourself uh, learning quicker or more diverse things, kind of getting that behind the scenes look more so with with so many of the different people that you've been meeting? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I have gotten to see uh, brew houses. I've gotten to see people actually doing what they do. I've gotten to see people brewing. I've gotten to... uh, like watch them actually do it and learn from that perspective as well. And then uh, just kind of like the thought process that goes behind what they decide to do at that time. 
Um, so, you know, if they're doing this certain beer, this is, these are the ingredients they choose for it. These are the hops. This is the whatever and why. Um, and that comes from just my connections with, with women because they're more willing to let people in, I think, to their creative process. Not necessarily that men aren't. And I've met a lot of men in the, in the craft beer community that are more willing to talk about their thought process behind things. But, um, I have, I guess I could say I have really only been in spaces where women are showing me that. Um, so that's been pretty nice. Um, and then just like the creativity behind, uh, like their, like posts, cause I'm coming at it more from like social media perspective. So I have learned new ways to be creative with how I get products out there. Um, one of the Instagrams that I love following is uh, Babbled Cameron. Her name is Tanya. Uh, she's from Tampa originally, but she, I think she lives in Pennsylvania now. Um, but she's like back and forth. But she does like the coolest posts for her page that are uniquely feminine while still being able to uh, get so much information out about the beer. Um, so I have been able to kind of look at my content and say, okay, how can I kind of channel that same energy? Um, and, but still keep it true to me. Uh, so that's, that's been pretty cool, but I have learned so much. <laughs> I learned so much from other women in the community and it's always nice to learn from them. And especially the ones that I surround myself with because they're so willing to just educate and not make you feel less than or anything like that. So that's been really nice. Awesome. So, uh, so then we want to move on a little bit uh, on that point. Um, basically, yeah, because talking about content, right? Content, yeah, exactly. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel that you have a responsibility to kind of send a message with your content uh, normally, or be political, or just uh, push the envelope with pushing? women into craft beer or highlighting women in craft beer with your content um or is it more so just being like you said being yourself and pushing the beer itself out there i think excuse me i think just by me being a present i'm doing exactly that absolutely um, just by me being there and saying no i'm here i'm a part of this now and i think more women who look like me or don't look like me are also going to be a present here. And um, you can either be okay with that or you, you don't have to, but if you're not okay with it, then um, there's a really awesome button. Um, it says follow sometimes, but it also says unfollow. So <laughs> you're not about it. <laughs> you can we'll, we'll put the instructions for that in the, in the <laughs> It's like an arrow. Like I should always just have an arrow pointing directly to it. <laughs> but no, so it's like I don't I, I don't ever find myself needing to be inherently political. Um, I do push basic human decency, I guess you could say. It's like it's like just just being a human. And you know, I did post stuff about the Black Lives Matter movement. I did post that I was actively uh, supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. I did just post the other day about the horrible uh, Asian American hate that happened uh, in this country and has been happening, um, I think forever, for forever, decades. but obviously a lot more this year 
um, which is just incredibly sad. I, I did post, you know, stuff like that. And of course I got DMs that were like, boom, 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 boom. And it's just like, I'm not even like reading that. That's just getting deleted and blocked. Like, I don't, I don't think you understand that I could give a, a shit less about what you say. <laughs> but I, so it's like, I think just by being myself, I remember like I posted a couple of, this was not this past year, but the year before when Pride was going on in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I got, I was so excited about my shirt. It said, like, why be racist, xenophobic, homophobic, or transphobic when you could just be quiet? And, like, I love that shirt. Uh, it's, it's a great shirt. Um, <laughs> so I wore it to Pride and because so many of my friends and, and family members are gay, trans, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I love them just the same, obviously. And uh, I got so much backlash <laughs> just for wearing a shirt. That made me, uh, that made it clear to people that I don't have any hate in my heart towards anybody for anything. And, um, I just thought that was so, gosh, like I was so dumbfounded by the amount of hate that I received for that. But then, of course, the amount of support that I received for that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it definitely goes both ways. I know that if I post something about me being, uh, a black woman, I'm going to get something. But uh, I've I've definitely gotten names in the DMs. I've definitely gotten slurs in in the comments that I will just delete and move on with my life because it's nothing that I haven't heard in real life already. Um, but I think I don't necessarily like go out to post content that is inherently political. But just by being myself, like, I am absolutely. Dead. Absolutely. I think Tyler mentions it all the time about, you know, it is a big statement to just exist in a space that wasn't necessarily meant for you to be in, you know, in this country. So it's already a statement that you're there doing it the way that you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just just purely, uh, I, I think about a lot of the times that we don't get to appreciate the moment that we're in or like the actual like our involvement in a movement right because we're taking up a space and we are uh changing a narrative where we're changing a culture and i think sometimes you know it's not i I think we get wrapped up about i don't want to toot my own horn like i don't want to like seem egotistical but like this is a, a large movement um being a woman in craft beer being black in craft beer like that that is a powerful thing and we're seeing like with the black is beautiful like campaign we're, we're seeing how that is being felt across the the nation at least um so yeah you you've been hitting on like a lot of things that we wanted to hear hear from you and as as we were doing our research and we were talking about this episode you know it's just like, okay like how, how do we bring up these certain topics <laughs> to, to talk about and just you just kind of let let that go and uh I just I appreciate having you on the show so much, Chris. What are you yeah. drinking? What, oh, what am I drinking? Oh, yeah. are we getting on here? Yeah, yeah. I, I snuck over. Yes, <laughs> of I course. Go. Oh, you, okay, I'm gonna meet you. Go, go crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm back with Desperate Times again, <laughs> but this one is a Double Galaxy Hazy, and it's Desperate not times. completely Desperate Beer. Yeah, it's not completely empty, so I'm not gonna completely turn it, but. Double Galaxy Hazy Imperial IPA, 8.3%. 
and okay 8.3 percent bruising banner (laughs) stamp of approval (laughs) well the first one was five that was under (laughs) so the so the average is uh i'm not gonna do that right now oh this one's 5.7 what i'm drinking so you're drinking that i i got my other two locals this is the nubian this is the brown ale uh, brewed with complex malt base, this beer has a beautiful brown complexion with aromas and flavors of fresh bra- uh, fresh baked bread, roasted nuts, and medium roasted coffee with a light touch of sweetness in the finish. And it it is just absolutely a delight. There we Welcome go. back, Charlie. <laughs> I don't have a beer fridge in my room yet. I need one though. <laughs> I just need um, a beer so- fridge. <laughs> funny actually like funny little story about my family so we're a family of five my my mom my dad and then i have uh two younger sisters are amazing um and i don't know why one refrigerator wasn't enough for our family of five so we actually have two um but that second refrigerator but it's not like the southern like you have to go into the garage and it's actually a freezer like we really do just have two refrigerators (laughs) (laughs) but we actually it still doesn't fit my beer. It's <laughs> so a lot of my beer is like warm stored right now, but in like a really dark, cool place. So it's really upsetting. Which, but we actually is... have a third. We have a third. <laughs> oh, you have a third. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I have been like, I will pay the extra like electricity bill if I can just plug in this extra refrigerator for all of my beers. But I'm actually about to like, I think for like a block party um, in July um, where people can come just kind of grab stuff because I can't take any of it with me to England. So. Um. <laughs> that, that's just a great idea. Away. I like that. That That's a lot of fun. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a amazing idea actually to. <laughs> I'll be like all the dads in the neighborhood are like, hell yeah. <laughs> but my parents, so my parents on New Year's Eve were like, because I was in England for New Year's Eve. So I'm on the I'm on the phone with my mom the day before. And she's like, Charlotte. And I'm like, what? What? Like, why am I in trouble? And she's just like, You have too much. This is and I'm like, no. Um, and and my boyfriend's great. He's super supportive of all of all of it and he loves craft beer. Uh so he is he's on the same level as I am when it comes to our obsession and has a you know a craft beer box subscription and all of the above and yada 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 so he's just like michelle stop um but like in his english accent <laughs> so it's so polite um, but she's like no i'm gonna put it all in a, i'm gonna put it all in a cooler it's gonna go outside and on new year's eve when everybody's outside shooting off fireworks they're gonna be able to come and they're gonna pick out what they want and i'm like no and i'm literally i'm i'm on a different continent so i can't stop her at this point and she knows that she knows that i can't do anything about it this they didn't end up <laughs> like my mom just woke up and chose chaos today. Like, like, i'm, I'm almost certain that's abuse that's gotta be <laughs> you can report oh that right yeah report that oh to the authorities just, my dad's just like michelle we can't we can't do that this he's like no you can't um they didn't but I'm totally about doing it myself because I was like, look, if you at least FaceTime me and show me what you're planning on getting rid of, I, I'll more than likely just be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You can, I've already tried that. I've already done whatever. But if, 
if you're going to give away like the stuff that I have been saving because I love that beer, I'm, I'm going to cry. I, I might not come home. I'm just going to run away. I'll never come. Home. I'm going to pack my bag with my Capri Suns and my craft beer. <laughs> I'm going to be gone. And you'll never see me. Be lunchable. <laughs> Got some lunchables. I was actually... I'm so happy you brought up Capri Suns because I was just talking about that last night with a friend as we were walking, drinking like pink Moscato in the streets of Philly, right? That what you were doing? It was the travel. We I got sake. I I got like I got liquor to like actually enjoy, but for the walk, it was like this little like to go thing, and I I, yeah. It was it was the Capri Sun conversation. No, we were just like, you know what? When I get older, and I have kids. Like, I'm gonna be buying Capri Sun, but it's not gonna be for my children. It's gonna be for me. I can just imagine. It was like, oh, you got his Capri Sun. It was like, do you have Capri Sun money? Because this is my Capri Sun. Have you earned this? I have earned this. My mom drinks the Capri Sun like once a day. I mean, like, that is not, that's not even a joke. Like, she really does. Um, I think I have found like Capri Suns on the kitchen counter. And I would go to go like yell at my sister and I'd be like, Christian, why did you? And then my mom's like, I'm just like, don't leave it on the counter. If you're going to do that, at least make a cell phone out of it. Like, stop embarrassing me. Um, Oh my goodness. But anyways, so, yeah. So is Uh, there a Capri Sun beer that you enjoy? Oh no, but have you ever had adult, adult Capri Sun? Like at the bar? No. No. Okay. Let's put you guys on. So you take the Capri Sun. You mm-hmm. pop the, the plastic with the straw, whatever. So take the straw back out. All right. What you're going to do? Well, you're going to take a little sip out of it because you're in need some space. Take a little sip. And then you're going to take like a vodka, rum, tequila, whatever you're feeling. You quickly, because you know how they have the metal pour spout? You yes. have to do this with a pour spout. It doesn't work unless you don't have a pour spout. And you're going to really quickly just pop that vodka into the Capri Sun, fill up the space. And then if you're planning on like taking it to Disney, you just take like that. <laughs> Leave that out. Disney's going to be like, don't look at this guy. <laughs> what you're going to do, you can do it like the cheap way. You can just tape over it. Or you can take all your straightener and you can seal it back up really quick. So then you get into the theme park. And you have a nice little spike Capri Sun. But then you have to label them because if the kids get a spike Capri Sun, they're going to be asleep a lot faster. Oh, okay. But that, that might make it a, a lot less chaotic. What? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a, I'm Caribbean. And, you know, we weren't going to sleep. We got a little bit of rum in our juice. That's, that's, just, that's how we were raised. I am, I am not 100% sure because I know I was a problem child when it came to medicine. And I'm not no, convinced your, your dad that my definitely, definitely exactly he There's, took some he took some whiskey and yep I I am convinced that I have been given like sneaked There's, alcohol as a child like There's no way you you got to like 15 and you're like why do I have a taste for gin right now <laughs> I, I would love it oh, yeah, actually wait hold up that 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 says well, a lot I think that was like the best part about growing up with my parents is that they never made alcohol a secret and then once I became an adult like my dad never really made like recreational marijuana I don't know how like you're still how y'all feel about that but never made any of that stuff. <laughs> um Last like a secret. so it was like I mean I was 
we weren't kids and drinking beer, but you know, if we asked at four or five, whatever, can I taste what you're drinking? He'd be like, you know, well, you know, you can have a little sip or whatever. Um, but then I was, I was a teenager and it was just never an issue. And my parents never advocated for underage drinking, but it was always just one of the things you're going to do it. Be safe, be smart, be in a place where you trust the people who you're with and call us if you need to. And that's I don't that's so important. We'll, we'll take that yeah. sound bite out and just like use it as a PSA. Cause no, that, that that's 100% kind of, uh, our, I think at least my thought process behind it. Cause I went to Germany, uh, my senior year of high school and got to experience like, Oh, what is like drinking culture and in, in a place that you start drinking at like start drinking right. at 16, legally start drinking at 16. And, uh, it was, it was a completely different, like shift of responsibility even because it wasn't yeah. a taboo thing. So it was like the person that was right. driving was just like, Oh, I'm driving tonight. I let's go get some like water for me. Yeah. And, it, it and was, I, yeah, that was a big thing. Like growing up, it's like my parents showed us what a cocktail is, showed us what it looks like, how, you know, how to enjoy something. And I think I don't remember maybe one time I got absolutely like, uh, I, I've, totally lost all responsibility and you know stuff like that once or twice in high school um but I never remember getting so out of my own way that my parents had to be concerned for me uh in high school and I think that was such a big thing and that's always been something that like okay as an adult and as a parent I think I'm gonna kind of instill the same kind of thing this is something that's for fun not for every day it's not to do this that or the other it's just to have a good time relax maybe a little bit so just treat it responsibly and it'll be a good time and so they they never had an issue with it i know my mom's picking up twice <laughs> was definitely like are you good because you seem not good <laughs> but, like picked you up or like physically picked you up off the ground and like um the one time just picked me up. The second time, it was New Year's Eve. There was Jaeger involved. I never had Jaeger before, <laughs> um, including like, and then I'll like heartbreak on top of that. And I was just like, <laughs> so, you know, so my mom is there to, you know, pick me up. And she's just like looking at my best friend like, is she good? Um, <laughs> my parents are very sweet and they're very loving people, but they're not particularly like affectionate. Yeah, that's kind of that's <laughs> me. That's definitely me, one hundred percent. I'm so terrible at like, <laughs> like I try, but yeah, but like it's a very interesting point that you bring up because I've always thought like you know if if it's introduced younger and it's shown to be something that you need to handle with with relative care, but it's not that big of a deal, then you're going to grow up thinking, oh, you know, it's just beer or, oh, it's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll have a glass of wine or whatever, you know, cause I yeah. feel like you go to college and you see these people that clearly were just like hardline pushed away from it. And they just start going crazy at really yeah. irresponsible, really nuts. And it's just like, you can tell yeah. the people who were basically shunned from it, you know, and pushed away from it. Yeah. And I think I actually met up with a girlfriend of mine who, when she was, that was her, you know, she was very sheltered from so much growing up and going to college. She actually came to live with me and stuff. And uh, so she was a year younger than me. <clears throat> and the other day she was like, do you understand like how much you taught me about how to like treat things? And I was like, 
what are you talking about? I was getting drunk all the time. She was like, no, like, you know, there's a reason that I grew to respect drinking and going out and partying and stuff like that. And it was because you didn't make it like something that was bad. Like you just allowed me to go out and do this. And I was like, okay. And I think that was one of the biggest things when I turned 18. And I would go out and have a drink at a party or I would, you know, go to a crap party or whatever. And even my sister now, she's 20. And my dad's like, look, like, you're going to do it. Just don't, just don't be dumb. Like, just go out, have, have a good time and don't be stupid. If you're going to, if you're going to need to get home, Uber. If you're going to need to do this, get a, get a ride with a friend. Stay at your, you know, stay at your friend's house. Do what you got to do. Just don't be dumb. I so. love, I love what Uber has done for like drinking. Like that. That has just been a game changer. Like, I yeah. definitely could have benefited from Ubers a while ago, but um, same. I think Uber came out my freshman year of college. So I remember even like bartending and having to Uber to work because I lived in Gainesville. So mm. there was no, I, I bartended right across the street from the stadium. There was no parking when I went to work on a game day. Like I had to Uber to work so that I could get to work on time. So yeah, I think that was, it was great. It was, it's been amazing. And now I want to go drink with my friends. I want everybody to have a good time. Right. Yeah. It eliminates the, the, the DD right. And in, Mm -hmm. in a responsible way. So small expenses for everybody to have a good night. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's a bunch of people, you can all split the fare and it's much cheaper. So it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So we, we got a few more questions for you. Uh, I don't want this conversation to end cause I'm really enjoying uh, having this talk with you, but uh, we we're winding down, I think. So what has, uh, cause you, you mentioned, or we mentioned your goal about creating a space to make women and people of color feel more comfortable in breweries. Like what has your personal experience being one of the few like black women in a brewery, like just what is that feeling like when, when you walk in and do you play the the counting game? Cause I know every time I walk into a brewery, I'm just like, Oh, there's one. All right, cool. <laughs> just like... um, I will say with restaurants because <laughs> What is the old adage? Um, if there's no black people in that restaurant, it's probably not that good. <laughs> I stand by that. I stand, I stand by, by that. Um, and I think it's like, <laughs> there's no black people eating at your house. It's probably not that good. Um, but no, um, all these spices, y'all pillage for me. Um, I, I definitely, I, I can say I play the counting game, but I think it's more so on the other side. How many people do I see that are running this place? Um, how diverse is this brewery in in its in its essence? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's opened up a lot more to women, but I think it still is more of a white woman thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is definitely something I've paid attention to. Um, I do still get looks. Uh, and part of me is like no they're just looking at you because you're a girl and you're walking in like you know and then part of me is just like no they're looking at you because you don't necessarily fit the look of everybody else's here um so definitely it can it can be a little bit of an insecurity thing um but 
I'm so used to going places by myself. So I'm, I'm really used to drinking by myself. I'm going out by myself, eating lunch by myself and stuff like that. So I think that's always been a big thing too, is when people see me walk in by myself, they're like, oh, she's here to meet somebody. Oh, she's going to do this. And I, 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 there's been plenty of times where they've put two menus down and I've been like, no, it's just me. And then they're like, you're by yourself? Like, you know what? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm pretty cool. So, <laughs> that's pretty no, interesting. But- I, I've never... <laughs> I always find it weird when I'm by myself. And I think it's just because like, I'm very socially awkward. So if I'm not with someone to kind of break the tent, like the social tension, I'm just like. <laughs> no, I love taking it as a time to just like, um, you know, sometimes people like to strike a conversation. I think that's great. I'm, I'm still an extrovert. I still love talking to people. Um, but if I'm by myself somewhere, then I'm intentionally by myself somewhere and I'm cool with that. Like I'm just there to eat my lunch or I'm there to have my beer really quick or whatever. Um, but yeah, I can, I can say that there's still, it still definitely is a, um, eye catcher when I, when I walk in because people are like, does she really belong here? Or is she, is she walking in because she's thinking she's going to get something else? They're like. Yeah, like almost like the whole like, oh, like this lost puppy wandered in and does she really know what she's doing here? Like, does she? Yeah. And there's, I mean, even still, I think when I was flying back from England this last time, I flew into Texas. I had a little layover in Texas. And so I just, I walked through the airport and I saw that there was a um, a craft beer brewery and restaurant. I was like, okay, cool. Let's, Wait, is this, is this in the Dallas airport? Um, because I think I might have, I think I might have drank there, but yeah. <laughs> you drink, you drink okay, everywhere, but, Tyler. Okay, because the last time I flew, okay, I flew through, I flown through Houston before when I was going to Texas or when I was going to Mexico, and then I think the last time I flew into Dallas, if I'm 100 percent correct, I can't remember. Um, but. Anyway, so I went upstairs and I was eating and I and I sat at the bar. I'm a single person. I'm not going to ask them to put me at a four top. I'm I'm also still a restaurant person at, at heart. So it's like, I'm not going to walk in and be like, oh, put me at your largest booth. Um, so <laughs> I'm one person. Like I want to, I'm going to sit at the bar. I'm going to eat. I'm going to do my thing. And then I'm going to head out. And I remember like asking the bartender, like, hey, can I, can I try all this IPA and he was like, well, we're out, but we do have this. And I was like, well, that's a week. I, like, I don't, you know, and he was like, it's pretty much the same thing. And I was like, but it's, it's not pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, but I don't, why are you telling me that it's pretty much the same thing? Like, do you think that I won't know the difference? Or like, right. what, is, like what are you assuming that you would say, oh, this is pretty much the same thing? And I went, well, you know what, actually, I'll just go ahead with the, with the out-of-state idea. Cause it was a, it was a guest tab or something. And he kind of looked at me like, Oh shit. I kind of like, I kind of made like <laughs> the wrong move and telling this girl well, it's the same thing. Cause I'm like, no, <laughs> it's it's inter- that's interesting because there's a, there's a couple times where I've experienced that. And, um, the fact, the fact that it's only been like once or twice and I, and I still remember that I can't imagine it happening all the time. You know what I mean? And clearly it doesn't happen to me, not because I look, I don't look like I know what I'm talking about any more than you do, unless people have these preconceived notions of what you know or don't know. Right. So, 
I really empathize with that because that's that's tough to always walk into a space and be like looked at as if you don't belong or understand what it is you're doing here. And then you kind of have to fight that imposter syndrome a little bit too, because you know you belong here, but no one else seems to. I'm like, he said imposter syndrome, and I'm like, oh God, he's been reading my diary. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel it a lot because I'm, I'm an engineer. So black people in any tech or STEM always feel this issue in terms of, do I really belong here? Do I, am I really this smart? You know, do I really, yes, yes, you are. am I as smart? <laughs> am I as smart as the people next to me? You know, do I, Am I just gaming the system? Are they going to figure me out soon? You know, even though I've been in my current position for two and a half years, like I'm still have sometimes in the back of my head, like it's, it's today the day they figure me out. They find out. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. No, like, no, that is because who, what talk show was it? I can just remember, I can hear the sound bite in my mind where she went. White people get to be mediocre. Black people have to be twice as good. The and I was, that myth of black excellence. It's just like, it is. It's the myth of black excellence, but it, because it is. Like, you, you genuinely have to be twice mm -hmm. as good, twice as smart, twice as ready. And so, no. <laughs> like, if anything, no. You are not a imposter syndrome. You are simply just showing that you are that much more prepared. Because you have to be, like... Yeah, quick side note, this is one of the smartest motherfuckers I've ever, like, <laughs> had the you know, pleasure you know lot, of knowing. You know a lot of dumb people then, because. <laughs> no, I, I, I've known Chris for, like, 20 years, and this still by Aww. far. Are you guys, are you childhood friends? Kindergarten. We are. Yeah, kindergarten. We went to every, like, <laughs> up until college, it was like, oh, same daycare, same elementary school, middle school, high school. And then he was too that. smart for me and he went to a better college. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, That's is... so cool. And they always say that friendships that last after, what, like five years are, like, bound to last forever or something. So here we like, are. Yeah. Yep. 100% considered a brother. Uh, this. This is Aww. not a friend. This is family. Um, oh. And don't people think you guys are family when you go out? We've gotten that We've once gotten or twice, that, actually. Like, a couple times, yeah. It was just, yeah. well, you guys aren't, like, brothers? Like, like, no. Clear, like, look it's at our facial girls. features. Yeah. <laughs> so the two girls that I was talking about, my two best friends, you know, Danielle and Mackenzie. I posted them on my story before. You might have seen them before. Um, but they're, they're both multiracial. So Danielle has two older brothers. Uh, one of them is also multi, also multiracial. The other one is uh, black. And then um, Mackenzie has four younger sisters, or sorry, three younger sisters. So uh, Morgan, Michaela, and Addison. And we have an Easter picture from all of us going to church. And we're all standing next to each other. And it is so funny because we're in order of family. So it's like Danielle, me, my two sisters, Mackenzie, her three sisters. But I shit you not, you can't tell where one family starts and one family ends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy. So Mackenzie has super, super tight curls. My sisters have super, super tight curls and their skin is lighter than mine and their eyes are lighter than mine. Mackenzie's skin is lighter and has lighter eyes. Her little sister looks like me. 
<laughs> so her little sister was like, hey, can I have your ID when you turn 21? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> 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 because she looks more like me do we have do any of us have the same parents it's debatable maybe we should do it with me i don't know but even just yesterday me danielle and christian went to, to brunch and this woman came up to danielle and was like your little sister wanted like wanted this blah blah, blah. and it's starting conversation and danielle's like she's kind of my sister we've been sisters for 24 years but that's not my sister <laughs> So I, that's why I asked because I'm like, people just assume that all of us are just one big happy family and that my parents just never used contraceptive. Um, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool. I love it. I love that side of like the multiracial group because we all just look the same. Oh, no, I, I yeah. definitely had like friends in college. Like it was like the biracial friends and it was just like, oh, this is another very like attractive, like biracial person. I'm like, are you guys related? I'm like, what? But like, I've could gone be. back and looked at pictures like, oh, okay, you know what? This that could have been my sister. Like, dad, actually, my yeah, dad actually. did share a story with me when I got to college. He pulled oh, up no. and he goes, When I pulled up to college, we went to the same uh college, actually. He goes, When my dad dropped me off, he said, <laughs> it was just like when I was in the army, there was like a, a base across the the lake, uh, and there was nurses across there. Uh, this is to be this is to say that your sister might not be your only sister be safe and then he drove <laughs> and make sure you do a blood test before you do <laughs> oh my god can you imagine like meeting someone at the bar and be like so blood test right so let me see your ancestry um <laughs> no my so my father he's a white um but he his great-grandfather i think actually was a, a slave owner um and that's the whole thing but it's so funny my dad is like i think that there are other multiracial kids that look like you and your siblings somewhere <laughs> because his wow. grandfather did fall in love <laughs> like, wow that that's... was so <laughs> and How i'm like that... that's interesting <laughs> um, yeah like what do you do with that info because growing up, we were the only we were the only mixed kids in my family. My dad's side of the family didn't have any other uh, children. My mom's side of the family had lots of other kids, um, but they were all they were all black. So we just never said. And then he was like, "Yeah, so your grandpa Morgan actually did fall in love with a black woman at one point, and they did maybe have kids. We're not one hundred percent sure." but there could be other Morgans that are out there that look like you and Madison and Christian. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so interesting. Cause I never thought about like, like I hit a point in my life where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm the black person on the uh, white side of the family. Or I was just like, Oh, I am not the black person on the black side of the family. And yeah. um, I, I never thought about, I, I don't have that representation. Like there's nobody else like me when I go to those like family functions. Like when I go to the white side of the family, there is no other biracial like person that I could be like. <laughs> hey, yo. Right, fam. Um, like we're all fam, but like fam, uh, we're family, yeah. but this is fam. Um, yeah. I never and thought I about think, it. That, that's crazy. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I, in that moment, I felt so bad for my parents because my mom's side of the family is just so 
I've gotten, I was definitely closer to my mom's side of the family just because of me being the oldest and initially my life started out with them. So, mm-hmm. um, so close to my Caribbean and black side of my family. And, um, I never really thought of like, how does my mom feel when she goes to my dad's, you know, family functions or how does my dad feel when he goes to my mom's yeah. family functions? And, mm-hmm. um, I, I think they just both took it with so much grace. And there was never a time that I remember them either of them complaining or either of them making a comment or maybe I was too young, but um they were like, This is our family. This is uh who we decided to be and I um it really does suck when I hear when I remember like flashbacks of times where not in our family people made comments to us and um that sucked <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, so there was definitely there were definitely moments in my life where um people told my dad that he you know ruined the race by doing this that and the other and people called my mom to help literally to her face when she's pushing us like in the shoulder and my mom would be like wow. that's my kid <laughs> you know like yeah um and I think I was just so, like, it wasn't even like I was too young to understand. I think even then I was like, That's no. not right. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, growing up multiracial has had its, like, pitfalls for sure with people feeling like they have the, um, the audacity uh, to comment on my beautiful family. And, um, you know and then also people being like oh my gosh like your family is gorgeous seeing you guys together you guys are so you know beautiful you know whatever so it has it has its ups and downs so like the question i i think i get from all of this is a lot like the term that gets thrown around a lot i think is like a safe space right and we were talking about a lot of these issues, just like being out, just like, it, and that's the thing, being out in public, but like, especially, uh, like, I remember going to church with like my mom and then like people asking me like, and this is the craziest thing for me too, because this is church, um, was just like, oh, you're adopted? Because like, it's my white mom and like my dad wasn't going to church. And it was just like my, my white yeah. mom. Don't and I. Crazy. I mean, crazy at the time, but. I was like, are you yeah. adopted? I'm like, what? I'm like, this is mom. <laughs> I've never had to think about it like this, but like, thank you for making me aware that like, yeah. you can't yeah. tell that this is my, this is my mom. Um, but what does like, when, when we talk about creating safe spaces and we talk about creating safe spaces in craft beer or in like when breweries, like what, what does that look like to you? Um, so I think for me, I, I would like to start by with me being a teacher. I create a safe space in my studio every day. I want my kids to come in there and be able to just 100% be who they are. And I mean, I get to have conversations with these kids that I don't think I have ever been able to have and hear their stories and hear their experiences. When it comes to craft breweries, I think it needs to be the same thing. I think um, it needs to be a place where everybody can come in and have something they like, have a positive experience in that brewery, in that tap room, 
and be able to just relax. <laughs> I think there are so many places that Black people can't go to just relax. Um, and I think that there's always an... Um, there's always a moment where you see when black people feel like they can't exist in a place where they have that just like, okay, <laughs> you know, and um, they have that moment of rest. They have that moment of just peace. And um, I think that there are a lot of places where I started my craft year journey where black people can exist um, without it necessarily being a huge thing. I don't think it needs to be a fanfare. Oh, a black person just walked into our brewery. Let's celebrate that. Like, it's like, no, they're just a human. <laughs> Let's come in and drink, you know? So I think that's one of the biggest things is just being a space where nobody feels unwanted. Nobody feels like they can't just be there. Um, everybody feels like they can just come, have a drink, relax, meet people, talk, explore, learn, all of the above without repercussions, without condescending tones, without looks, without, you know, and obviously it's, it's rough because so many, so much of that comes from the other patrons of the bar. A lot, a lot of the times it's not necessarily from the bartenders, it's not necessarily from the people who own that brewery or whatever. Um, so it really is just the patrons that are there. Like, how do we just allow this to be somewhere where everyone can be? without it being questioned, without it being noticeable, without it being this, that, the other, like, you know, how do we do that? Yeah. And, and we, we've talked about like barriers of entry into craft beer uh, a lot. And one of those things being like, how do you create a space where when we walk in, we don't feel like the eyes are on us. And I think that, that, that was the very real thing. Cause I know I, I brought it up as like, I play the counting game when I go in, but I also, feel the counting game on the other side where all the, like, I, I feel the white eyes being like, yeah. oh. oh, that's one. What, what What's going on here? Like this, uh, yeah. are you in the right place? Yeah. Right. What you mentioned before. And uh, I, I think that I would love, absolutely love to go into a spot where I don't feel those eyes. Like there's a place in Philly that I think the staff, I think like, the brewery itself is doing a really good job in terms of being more inclusive, but I still feel because of the craft beer industry and, and the people that love craft beer, it, the clientele, is. the clientele. Right. So, cause I brought, I brought Chris into love city and love city is a really interesting, diverse like place. And as much as I love it, every time I walk in, I do still have like, I hold a different swagger about myself when I walk into the place where it's like, I'm meant to be here. So it's a little, like I walk a little bolder because it's just like, I don't want anybody to like question the fact that I'm walking in here. It's like, you yeah. see that, you see the, you see the sticker on the wall. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like they fuck with me here. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just happens to look your way or just like fuck off, bro. Right. I think that's like when people actually do, it's the same thing when people actually do say, Charlie, Charlie's here, and like people on the very kind of look at me like, Who's that this? um, but they're like, oh, okay, all right, she's a <laughs> she's a part of the crew. Uh, she's you know she's with the band. Um, I yeah, I agree, definitely. You get that little sense of like, okay, I I know I belong here. Like, yeah. Yep, but you still yep. got to show 
other people there, the people know, that don't know. Exactly. If, I know. If you I don't know. Now, you know, exactly. You're going to, you're going to learn quick. And um, <laughs> I, I just don't want that to be the same. Like when my kids, I have no kids. Um, when my kids are 21 and they start walking in the craft breweries, like I want them to not Which have to. Right. Exactly. I don't want them to have the same feeling, but they better not, not like craft beer. Exactly. Like, I, I'm going to love you for you, but like, if you don't like beer, like there's yeah. a problem. I did something wrong. Drink that stout. Drink it. Drink it. What do you mean you don't like Pilsners? <laughs> um, but no, I, I don't want them to have to go through like these. <clears throat> Sorry. This Belgian's great. <laughs> um, I don't want them to have that same feeling when they walk into places. Like I, I, I want them to just, I want that ignorance for them. I want to yeah. just walk in and just be like, what do you mean you used to walk into a craft brewery and feel a type of way? Like we're just walking yeah. into a place. I mean, that's the goal for me is in 20 years, we should no longer be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, like, that's the mind-blowing thing for me, though, is, like, I, I have people, I have people in, like, the outer circles of my life who are just, like, there's no direct, like, you you don't feel the direct effects of slavery or, like, everything like that, and I'm just, like, when you I don't. walk in place, yeah, exactly, you don't, when I walk yeah. in places, I feel that direct effect, like, Absolutely. It, 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 that, that feeling is, per- like, it just, radiates and um and i i hope that is a thing i hope in 20 years i hope when my kids can drink legally maybe they'll be 18 who knows um i i want that to be like a more honest conversation like a more like you don't feel that direct effect because i i think all three of us can agree we we feel that like every every day it's yeah it's not hidden and it is not a secret. So um, I have a couple questions. Um, wow, can one I question. really quickly? Oh, um, no. You can always. Yeah, yeah. You need to say <laughs> something. Say something. I'm like, hold on, give me one second. No, Chris. Um, oh, this has been a great conversation. This might get cut out. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Every 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 time we say this is getting cut out, it's it never episode. does. Yeah, it yeah. Never does. I, I get lazy, but uh, okay. So what I am drinking, I, I will do this to save space. Um, workhorse is is a Belgian triple. Ooh, this is an eight point five. Eight point five. We spent most of our day at okay. KOP. We were in King of Prussia yesterday. You're king of king of the Prussia. Yes, and when I tell you, everybody walked out with clothing, and I walked out with beer. <laughs> the workhorse is in King of Prussia. It's like two miles away from the mall. Okay, it's like okay. an industrial park. It's like going to a Sly Fox. All right, yeah, because I've I've been like last time I was at King of Prussia, I ended up driving because we were on our way to Philly, so I ended up yeah. stopping at Tired Hands. <laughs> Oh, you went the other the way. way. So like yeah, Ardmore yeah. is this way. Workhorse is is the other way. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, but it, it it's great. Uh we had a lot of issues at KOP, but um we we finally got the beer. <laughs> yeah, last night was wild. Like when I tell you, like the reason I'm sounding the way I am is because of last night. Philly just uh bringing out the inner beast, huh? Oh my god. 
But this Belgian, it it is phantasmal. Uh, 8.5. Yep. Our mission, simply put, is to make your beer, make sure your beer is made right. We take a no-nonsense approach to classic beer styles that are broadly appealing and consistently delicious, which is actually factual. Like, they, they just make good beer. They don't try to, like, overload it with other, like, flavors and stuff. Like, oh, we're doing a Belgian? This is a great Belgian. True. Actual factuals, man. Actual factual. Because <laughs> they're just working. Welcome back. I have the bladder of a small kitten. So. Wait, I was going to say, now that you're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, now that, now that you are back, uh, as Tyler <laughs> takes a quick break, um, I guess we can start to get into the final question that we have for you. Um, and yeah. this, this might be a larger uh, discussion here. Um, so, uh, we, we kind of want to wonder, you know, since your goal is to create this safe space um, for women and people of color and craft beer, uh, but particularly for women, you know, what is it that we as men can do to kind of help you uh, reach that ultimate goal that you have? You know, what are, what are things that we as men and then not just us two in general, but the larger male and black male uh, population in craft beer what can we do to kind of help you know the cause your goal of getting that safer space in craft beer yeah um i think this question this answer is going to come in maybe some parts like you said like it's a, it's a discussion so my first part would be don't make it about you um, and I think a lot of men have a tendency to make things about them Very <laughs> um, true. in many different realms. Uh, but this, this helping us does not need to be a, well, I know I can speak to this because I can't, you know what I'm saying? Um, give us the time to talk. And I think you guys have been an incredible example of that um, throughout this entire interview. You might not have noticed or it might not have been something that you thought of, um, but I have never been interrupted in this entire podcast. Um, and that might be something that you just don't do because of y'all, who you are. Um, but I can tell you in any given conversation I have with uh, an adult male, I will be interrupted at, at some point. Um, and it's not even necessarily a conscious thing. It's not necessarily that they're trying to tell me, shut up, I'm talking now. But that's exactly what happened. Um, so that's a big thing. Don't make it about you. Um, if a woman is telling you her experience in anything, listen. And there's a difference. And I say this to my, my five-year-old. So I say, let's turn on our listening ears. Let's turn off our talking now. Let's listen to Miss Charlie and let's hear what she has to say. And now this in sign language is, is sorry, but this I'm telling them let's hear so they can hear what's coming out of the mouth. Um, so I think with a lot of men, it, it comes down to let's not listen to find out what our rebuttal is going to be. Let's listen to hear that experience. 
And ultimately, then we can have the conversation that comes from that. Um, so that's one thing. Um, don't assume. <laughs> Never assume. Never assume who you're talking to. And that, that was, I mean, one of the first things I was taught just as a dancer in general, or as that just comes from my art form. Never assume who you're talking to. That person could be your next boss. That person could be the person that gives you your next job or casts you in your next uh, company or, you know, does anything like that. And uh, so it doesn't matter who you're talking to. Talk to every single person you know with respect, with understanding, and don't ever assume what their education level is just because of how they look, which is just crazy because I don't think I was ever raised that way. I don't remember ever looking at somebody and being like, that person looks dumb. So it was just like very um, off-putting when I became an adult for uh, people to assume that I know maybe something that I don't know. Even just the other day, I was in a conversation and they brought up polyamory and uh, which is so off topic, but they were like, a polyamorous relationship. And I was like, so I study sex and sexuality. And that's, that's what I study in school. And they were just like, I wasn't expecting you to be educated about sex and sexuality. And I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> exactly why. Hold on, wait, why, why not? <laughs> right. So it was very like, uh, well, I am. Uh, so when I combat this, I'm going to combat this from an, uh, a point of view where even me as a cisgendered heterosexual woman, I can't fully speak on polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm. I've never been one. Uh, so, you know, so that's, that was definitely interesting, but, but a very good example of don't ever assume who you're speaking to. Um, so yeah, I think those are my two like starting points. Give women a space to talk and to be heard. Um, and then also just don't ever assume that because you're speaking to a woman that she does not know the topic that you're talking about. Yeah. No, thank and that you. She cannot, that she cannot bring in uh, um, an educated response to that topic. Um, and then call out your friends. <laughs> call, call out your people. Uh, they, they're going to listen to you more than they listen to us. Um, there's been so many studies that show hormones and show when women are on, you know, their cycle and stuff, they are boosted with testosterone. So at any given moment in time, a man has actually more hormones coursing through their body than any woman. Uh, so like that, that's definitely been a, a shocker to a lot of men I've talked to, <laughs> but call out your friends like you hear a man saying something rude or being um degrading or catcalling a woman or you know doing whatever call out your friends i can't remember how many i could not tell you how many times (laughs) i have been grabbed in public um talked to disrespectfully in public i can't tell you how many times and i have looked at the other men that are around that guy and been like Really? Are you gonna do anything? Like, you know, Say am something. I gonna have am I gonna have to do this for myself here? And just having to fight five men as one woman is just like it's not a fun feeling <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. Um and and I can guarantee you every single woman you know has had that had that moment. Um 
so but there has been a couple of times where someone has done something and, and their friend has looked at them and been like dude don't do that or like hey like leave her alone and you know something like that and it's just been like thank you <laughs> that takes so much of their the weight off of me mm-hmm. i guess you could say then yeah. then they might even realize um but that in itself helps create a safer space for us especially in craft beer you see a woman at a bar and a man's giving a shit hey leave her alone dude like let her or let her order her drink you know so it's just tiny and, things like that and a man is more willing to listen to another man than they are to listen to a woman unfortunately <laughs> so, I, 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 I think for me, it's also um, speaking from, I, I can, I, I have a moment where I did something where I was very disrespectful and it wasn't even in the presence of anybody else. Like I wasn't. So essentially I was telling a story to a friend and I called a woman a bitch in the story that I was saying. And my friend was just like, you you see the problem here and i said you know what i do see the problem here that was bad like what did, what did i just do and i think um unfortunately for a lot of men it's it's an ego thing where it's like being called out especially in front of other people uh becomes an issue but um i i'm very grateful to have a friend like that who was just like oh no this is a problem you need to fix this right now like here's the issue and I, I think um, we need to be more comfortable as a culture and not feeling like you're being called out in it and like shown to be this horrible person. But it's like, oh, you can grow. Like, here's a moment of growth for you. Yeah. Are, are you willing to answer that call? And I was just like, oh, yeah, I can answer this call. Like, no, no, thank yeah. you for pointing this out. Because I am all, I think Chris and I, like, the, the reason we bring the the people that we bring onto the show is because we we want to create a growth culture and uh just being able to not hear like oh this is your flaw and you're a bad person for it but like, oh how how do we grow from here how do we become better yeah. yeah i i love taking that approach um especially like i mean i keep bringing it back to being a a teacher student but um the thing is everyone's learning all the time and uh, we all always have to be treated like students in some way and I think you can always remember the teachers that treated you like a human being who is learning something and not somebody who is too stupid to understand something and I think we all we all get that um so you know every single time one of my children makes um we call them our own decisions in my classroom Mm-hmm. So when somebody makes their decision, I look at them and I say, no, is that a decision that you liked or a decision that you didn't like? And they can tell me, well, I didn't, I didn't like that decision. That was a decision I didn't like making. And then I'll have to explain to them, well, why, why did you make that decision instead of a different one? And then they'll tell me and I'll be like, okay, so maybe next time you're in this place and you have to make a decision, what are you going to do? And they're like, I'm going to make a decision that I like. Um, and I think a lot of people, need to be approached that way a lot of especially adults need to be approached that way i'm in a i'm in a place where i'm making a decision and i didn't like making that decision that wasn't a good decision for me to make so i want to make the decision that's going to make going to be good for everybody including myself so it's a good thing that your friend came at you when he was like hey that you know maybe that decision and calling that woman that was not 
the best decision. And then obviously as an adult, we can kind of deep dive into, okay, so why'd you call her a bitch? Right. <laughs> where did, where did that come from? <laughs> <Right>. and <that's- laughs> because I've called a bitch. And mm. I'm like, there have been plenty of moments where maybe, um, I didn't deserve it. And it was just simply me being a direct woman that makes you think that I was being a bitch um, because it didn't make you feel good when I right. said what I said. Um, so, you know, there's there's definitely those moments. And as long as we approach everybody with, that was a bad decision, so maybe next time let's make a good one. Um, and I'm glad that you could have that person to tell you that. And I think that's amazing. I think that I, I hope that more men could have those people um and even if they don't realize that they're doing it i mean you know it's just a, a good story or i was downtown with a couple of my girlfriends and we're just you know minding our business guy comes up starts stuff with us whatever and another man behind us was like do you really want to do you really want to start that with them like because i'm right here so if you do that with them i'm gonna let them handle their own until it becomes a point where like I don't like it anymore. <laughs> and it was like, you know, I appreciate that, that he was ready to stand up mm-hmm. for us in that way, but also was like, these women are going to handle what they need to handle. And then if they look at me like they need help, then I'm going to step in. Um, and I think that's one thing is when a woman needs help, she'll let you know. It's um, so funny. So. It's so funny that yeah. you brought that up because the same person that called me out for like using the language that I did, uh, we were drinking last night and we were talking about like if a situation would have like popped off when we were at the mall it's like how how would that be handled and it was just like oh i'm gonna let uh, i'm gonna let her take care of what she needs to do because i know she's gonna like black out in rage <laughs> and then when she needs us she'll let us know so once that's done then i'm jumping in because i'm here for her but i also know that i don't want to be like <laughs> a friendly fire casualty because not going to be able to see in front of her face. So I was like, Oh, that, that makes, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. <laughs> but I, I no, the, the, uh, there have been, there have been enough times uh, in my career that, um, uh, I have stood up for women and stuff that has happened in, in my bar. Uh, that has been one of those things where I'm like, no, I'm, I'm willing to get hit. I'm willing to take the punch. <laughs> You know, um, because my dad taught me that, you know, my dad taught me to stand up for people who need to be stood up for. And um, like one of the biggest, one of the worst ones is this guy who hit his wife, girlfriend, whatever, in my bar and pretty much in my face. And um, it was in like a, like a corner. So he thought nobody could see him, but I saw it. I pulled her aside and I was like, look, do you want me to call the cops? Do you want me to call anybody? Do you want to go home? What's up? And he like came storming in, got in my face, whatever. So after I walk back to my bar, he tries to get in my face. And this dude's like six, six, big man. And I'm like, look, I just want you to realize that I have plenty of empty bottles back here with your name on it. First of all, try me. Um, I'm willing to take a punch. I don't know about her, but I'm okay with walking around with a black guy and I don't give a shit how close you get to my face, dude. Like, if, if I can handle my mom being close, I can handle you, trust me. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, and you see all of those men that work with me right now? And I mean, it was literally like all eyes on him. 
like all all of the men that I work with, all of the servers, all of the bartenders, all of the whatever, and all of the other servers from other restaurants in that area where they're drinking and they're just like dead silent, locked eyes on this dude. And they're like, he places a finger on you oh, and yeah. he won't walk out of this place. <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> it was definitely, <laughs> he, he done fucked up. <laughs> and he kind of took a moment and realized like, oh shit, like if I even try her at all like it, it would be an issue and i'm like look like i said i'm fine with it like i'll be all right but you might not be <laughs> like, and that was one of the times where i really truly felt felt the men in my life had my back um with that and so for sure like have her back but be willing to also step back and say you know you got this i'm just here if you need me so Oh, I love yeah. that. And um, it kind of plays off of the last thing I want to ask uh, to end the show. Uh, and I don't want to end the show. This has been an <laughs> absolute pleasure. Um, oh, me too. I've had such a great time. Y'all are awesome. Both, both these two times, like the live and then this show, <laughs> it's just been an absolute pleasure with you. Um, <laughs> Glad. What, what would your call to action be like if, if you had and it doesn't have to be oh, hit him on mic um it doesn't have to be about the conversation that we just had it, it could be about anything but like if you were to call people to action um just to make the craft beer community a better place what would that be oh gosh that's such a good question i don't know if i've ever really thought about it before um what would my call to action be <laughs> I I guess my call to action would be what can I help with? What needs are help that maybe we haven't explored yet? Um like so for example, when there's a hurricane coming through in Florida, all of the craftsbreaks and stuff are like, Hey, we have water. We have lots of water, just bring your water things, you can fill them up to take them home. Um, and I've always thought like, yeah, that's incredible because that's their ingredient. Like it's, you know, it's water, but that's still their ingredient to work with. Um, so it's like, what, what is something that we haven't really explored yet? But I think the call to action for craft beer community has been so great this year. So it's like, what exactly when would I be able to ask of people in this community? Um, like with the all together beer where uh other half brewed a uh recipe for um people in the restaurant industry that lost their dogs. Uh, you know, obviously Black is Beautiful with the Black Lives Matter movement and um there have been so many more. So it's like what exactly would my call to action be? Wow. I think there's even one now that's supporting the art, which mm. I'm like that would probably be where I go with mine. Um, I used to work for a nonprofit. I still do technically theater on a mission. We go to third world countries um, and to orphanages in third world countries and we bring a uh, theater camp for those kids, which sounds really weird. And a lot of people hear it at first and they're like, why? Um, but we bring human interaction and the art to children who might not ever have a chance to do that. Um, but we also do something for the community there. What do they need? Um, so that's 
maybe somewhere I'd go with that. Uh, how can I bring the arts and bring fundraising that way into the arts through Cassia? There is actually a Jacksonville dance company that does that already. It's pretty cool. It's called like Bruce and Ballet, which I love. <laughs> it's so cool. They do a concert every year and it's like Cassia around Jacksonville and then uh, a comp- their company performs and stuff. So I think that would be my call to action. It's, it's definitely the arts, but you know, I'd have to think about that. No. I've never really thought about what my, my call to action is. Your call to action. It's a great <laughs> question. Um, I also drink beer. When I'm yeah. called to action, it's a drink beer. I also know when I'm called to action, I am the person that's ready to go. I like so, that. Um, I do like that. I do, and I do appreciate that about myself. I am somebody who is, what do you need? How can I do it? Um, and I think that's how I was, how I was raised, too. Like, I, I what do you need? That's, how can I uh, I think that's actually a good call to action is how do you respond to moments of need? Like, what do you need? Like, how, how do you show up for people? And I think those two things that we say, what do you need? How can I show up is, is those two, uh, yeah. those two questions. And um, something that I will leave you off with and I'll leave the show off with. Um, it's not something that you have to answer. Uh, it's just, it's a question that I've learned most recently that I think, uh, has helped me grow as a person or, or as a business. And it's, um, what is your unfair advantage? Mm. <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, it, oh gosh. It's a bullshit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, what this whole episode was. <laughs> no, I've, I've always, um. I've always been able to kind of uh, like write an essay. It's like on a book I've never mm-hmm. actually read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, but I do think my unfair advantage, maybe if I am answering this, is communication. Um, I do enjoy being able to talk clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's mine. Maybe that's it. Um, if, it, if we're talking in the black community, my unfair advantage, not unfair, it's what I was born with, but everybody kind of, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about colorism lately and stuff like that. So it's like, does my life can give me an advantage of people who listen? Possibly. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, that's why it's like, how do I take myself out of the equation so that, you know, darks and women can have their their time to talk and their spotlight and stuff too because obviously so well deserved as well so that's a big thing um but yeah i'm i'm so good at this bullshitting people (laughs) clearly from this episode thanks so thank you for listening for this far through all the bullshit Uh (laughs) um it was all fake no (laughs) no uh as i said this was 100 percent like one of my favorite things to do is uh, talk with you out of these two, two experiences with you. This has been absolutely incredible. And I feel like you have brought a lot of insight, a lot of value to uh, our listeners, hopefully. And um, yeah, I, I just, to end the episode, if you do not follow Hobson, Charlie, you need to follow Hobson, Charlie, Charlotte, great, great quality person. So thank you so much. Is there anything you would like to leave the show off with? Like, is there anything you would like to say? 
Um, wow. I, I mean, thank you guys. I really appreciate uh, both times talking with you. If you ever want to talk again, you know how to reach me. I'm so down. It's uh, even if it's just you guys are in Florida, we can go have a beer together. Uh, <laughs> it will happen, actually. Back. Yes. Um, or if I'm where you are, I'm going to hit you up. I'm ready to go. Please. Uh, <laughs> but no, you guys have been amazing. And I really appreciate all the insightful questions. It's not often that we always get insightful questions. So especially if you have more women on your show, then keep doing what you're doing. Because I can tell you that more women are ready to answer these questions. And um, so often I've been asked these questions. And they're great to start the show. But you guys have really gotten to the core of what you want to know. And I think that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. I love it. And I love listening to you guys. So keep coming out with episodes so that I have something to listen to while I'm at work. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, Chris, do you have anything that you want to leave off with? I just, I really appreciate you, uh, sitting down with us both times. Uh, it's been fantastic and amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to meet someone from a completely different area of the country um, who really <laughs> somehow has the same experiences we have, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really cool connecting uh, with people. And we never thought we never imagined it would be like this when we started this uh, podcast over two years ago, over two years yeah. ago. So wow. just thank you. Oh, of course. No, this has been so great guys. Thanks. And until next time. Peace. Bye.